Ladies and gentlemen, and all genders outside and in between, welcome back to Thirsty Work, the all-new sex education podcast. With our guest this evening, the most amazing, glorious, flamboyant, babbling goat. Ooh, it's Thirsty Work. Welcome back, you spectacular specimens of humankind, and thank you very much for waiting for this brand new part two of uh, me speaking to the wonderful babbling goat at the home of hedonism known as Thirsty Work. I know you're also very surprised to see us going on for, for much longer, you know? But I'll bring back in babbling goat. How you doing, you beautiful bean? Hello, sorry, I was looking for my socks beneath my table. You're looking for your socks beneath your table. Good lord, good yes. lord. And also, how dare you apologize in my presence? You know how I feel about those things. You know how I feel about these things. Dear Lord. So for those people that are not aware, um, this is part two of the, uh, the podcast, which we've had to separate out because of time, um, with the amazing, the glorious Babbling Goat. Babbling Goat, would you like to introduce yourself again, tell people what you do, and, um, and, and let everyone know where they can find you as well? Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Babylon Goat, and I'm a lecturer at university's company, Citizen States. Within four, uh, uh, within, <laughs> within four examples, we're not limited to LGBTQI plus, social ecology, behavior culture, organizational culture, and more. I'm also a streamer here on Twitch. We focus on education, community, love, and support every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Sunday. Mm. And I also love the movie Hook just a little bit too much, which is probably a bit unhealthy because I love it. So much, I have it tattooed on my arm. It's a good movie, though. It's like, a, it's a good I'm movie. I'm also an openly queer trans man. Might be relevant to know for the podcast. Oh, yeah, I suppose. For the continue on, continuation of this podcast, that is a fair point. We have previously <laughs> yeah. talked about the fact that you are an openly queer trans man. And this time, I won't just say it out loud uh, at the beginning of the, the, the thing. Because we were just talking about the, uh, the dangers of outing, which is very important. And if you would like to know more about that, then check out the previous episode with uh, Babbling Goat so that we don't repeat ourselves on this live recording on Twitch. <laughs> hey! Way! Um, so talking about like the fact that you, were, you are openly a trans man, um, the fact that you knew from a very, very young age about the fact that you were a trans man and you've always been quite open with it and and been, as I previously stated, a standard bearer for, for well, for, I suppose for people to get, to, to have somebody that they can identify with and even if they're not ready to come out themselves or they're, they're not entirely sure where they stand in regards to the whole gender thing, which is in and of itself, a massive, massive, like, I vastly underrated the, um, the scope in which gender can play in somebody's understanding of themselves. Because, I, I mean, I've never been, like, I, I don't know, I've never been one of these people that has really questioned too much. I'm just like, these are the things I like to do, so fuck it. I like it. Great. What's it matter? Do you know what I mean? Um, and as a result, it's never really affected me. I've just accepted people as they are, whether they be uh, cis, trans, gay, bi, straight, whatever. I'm just like, cool, that's grand. Let's have a good time. But it's only since, like, streaming live on Twitch that I've realized the gravity that some of these things have in, in just somebody feeling themselves. And as I am aware, like, gender, like, well, body dysphoria is a massive thing across all genders and all peoples and all ages, um, generally speaking. But gender dysphoria is a big part of that for, for trans people. Like, how have, like, we talked earlier about the, the fact that you've, that you had two sets of top surgery and the second one made my little heart weep um, and turned my brain into a jam and it leaked out my ears because it was just so fucking good to see you so happy. Like, it, ah, the jealousy I feel of the fact that I will <laughs> never feel that happiness is, is unreal. Do you know what I mean? But have you had any major issues other than that that aspect have you had any major issues yourself with gender dysphoria or body dysphoria in that regard yes <laughs> okay <laughs> but it is it's it's often very like a lot of people feel 
gender dysphoria regarding their identity, yes, which I've had a lot of gender dysphoria regarding my identity and um, that, you know, society doesn't see or did not see me as male, but I am a male, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and when it comes to body, it's called body dysmorphia. Ah, so, okay. My bad. Very, very My bad. close. But it's no, no. It's it's super close. It took me so long to land. Don't you? Worry. <laughs> uh, but body dysmorphia. Anyone can have body dysmorphia, just as you said. It is very common um, for pregnant women after pregnancy. It is so common because a lot of them don't recognize their bodies anymore and get immense body dysmorphia from that mm -hmm. or from. A, a big weight gain or a big weight loss. It is also very, very common to feel a very, very strong sense of body dysmorphia. And if you if you stand in front of the mirror and you very not like just now now and again because we're all human, but very, very often start like picking at your skin and being like, oh, I wish I could change that, or oh, I wish I could change that, or maybe this would be prettier. Oh, that's might be body dysmorphia. Because that is how it showcases itself. It doesn't have to be. That's very important now. It doesn't have to be, but it can be. So it might be good to take a look at it. It can be an indication that it's something to work at. And you can get psychological help for body dysmorphia as well. But so if you stand and like, oh yeah, I wish I could change that, I wish I could change that, I wish I could change that, that can absolutely be that. So for me, it's always been my chest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's always been boobs, <laughs> yeah. always. And it's always been connected to my weight as well. Because even though I'm fucking gorgeous, I'm, I still don't feel comfortable. You with are, it. you are indeed. Oh, thank you, thank you. But I still not feel comfortable with it. And it's the same, like I've got in, my body dysmorphia has increased extremely during like the last year and it's like at its height right now yeah yeah um yes because even though i've had top surgery my body thinks and feels like i'm getting boobs again because i've gained weight because for all people who don't know i am bipolar i'm bipolar type 2 and a side effect of that medication is weight gain I was already not comfortable in my body and boobs is fat um and so it is more visible even though it's still pretty much a flat chest the body instantly feels that oh it's a boob like immediately and it every time you sit down every time like have my arms like this you know every single thing um it's it's there it's like a ghost in uh, your mind yeah continuously. i suppose that's that's like uh because obviously like like everybody that, that has um weight issues can potentially grow a, a fatness, a fatness across the chest, um, yeah. but I suppose with being a trans man, it's that direct link to mm. the, the the previous. Exactly, okay. and it's also the fact that since like the surge, so there's different types of surgeries you can have for yeah. top surgery, right? One of them, and this might be a little bit graphic. Okay, so, warning everybody, warning graphic yeah. content. Graphic content. Um, so the first surgery is if you have size A to B, uh, when it comes to chest size, they make a little hole next to your nipple and they suck it out. They just suck out the fat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So just, so, you know. Yeah. Um, and if you have a larger chest, which I had, I had C slash D cups, they open up underneath your boob pretty much mm -hmm. and then they remove the fat and then you have you have a thing called it's i don't know the english name of it so this is gonna fight sound really fucking weird but the stem of your nipple right so you have right, yeah yeah so you have like a stem think of it like a flower right yeah. and that your nipple is the flower bud um, and then you have a stem and if that stem is damaged, that's when you might like lose your sensitivity in your nipple, for example. Okay. Um, so they really make sure, need to make sure to not, to not touch that. But generally after top surgery, it can be expected that you are going to lose sensitivity in your nipples. Like you are. It's... There's, there's a certain percentage as somebody who's had their nipples pierced twice. Mm. 
Um, like, there, there's a chance of losing all sense. I lost, I don't know, maybe 60% of my sensitivity when I got my nipples pierced. So, yeah. Like, I can still feel stuff, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make the ooh kind of thing anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't no, help it's, that. It's the exact same here, the exact yeah. same. But so what they do is they open it up then, and then they sew it back together. Um, but when there's a scar, right, and especially a scar like that, your that place isn't going to stretch in the same way because it's more rigid, but because the scar tissue. But since it is on your chest, and the fat always gets stored above it, since you put the line underneath it, that means that it becomes an overflow at the uh, top. It yeah. makes it even more look and feel like a boob. So that is also like because of course it adds to it yeah yeah of course gonna add to it and i don't feel it on my right side but i feel it on my left side because i have the hole so i have a hole like if you can see my chest i have a hole here yeah so this is my chest right for those people that are listening in the podcast <laughs> it is just about two inches away from nipple towards sternum yeah i'm guessing from way well from what you're indicating here <laughs> yeah so that's and then to the right of the nipple you usually have like some tissue right yeah it goes then to the middle i have no tissue there it is just okay. a hole now feeling my in. own chest yeah okay <laughs> they just go straight in because that's where you remove too much but there is still on the left side it makes it look like a bulb and then a side boob uh okay okay and so okay. that then my brain connects all of that together and when you look in mirrors there's of course a larger shadow because you have a scar there which makes yeah. it look like an over you know like and it goes round and round and round also yeah, graphic what? content warning done <laughs> graphic content warning done for, for those people that are watching the thought i'm waving which means that we're done with the the content stuff it's it's interesting because like i I'm not not like talking the body dysmorphia side of things, but certainly something that I realized at a young age when I was a teenager, because I was very contrary to popular belief. I was a very self-conscious teenager. Um, I know it's hard to say because, you know, I'm so unbelievably amazing. But at the same time, like... I mean, that's just truth, right? That says in the exactly. law book. It's, like, just, it's just basic yeah, truth. Yeah, and the dictionary is just amazing. Val in vain. <laughs> exactly. Picture exactly. here. You know? And it was it was really interesting because I remember like looking in the mirror and and like glaring in my eyes and being like I am hollow I have nothing to offer the world there is not the classic teenager morbid cries of anguish for no real reason well for me there was no real reason I'm not saying that all teenagers have no real reason mm. um and I was like I was looking like at each individual part of my life uh, my entire body that I didn't like and I took a step back. And I closed my eyes and I opened my eyes and I looked at myself as an entire picture. And I realized at that moment that when we look at other people, we look at other people as pictures. We see the, the entire thing. We see a whole human being, everything they're wearing, everything their, their face is doing, their hair, the way their hair is, the way their facial hair is, the way their makeup is, like everything about them. We see, we see everything as one whole picture and we go, my God, that looks amazing. When we look at ourselves, we look at the independent parts of us. We look, exactly. I don't like my nose because it's slightly crooked. My my ears are slightly lopsided. My my eyebrow hair is doing that weird thing that it does and I can't get it straight. Whatever it happens to be, like, we never look at ourselves as a whole picture. And if we mm -hmm. can learn to take a step back, I'm not saying it'll fix everything, but I'm saying if you can learn to take a step back and look at yourself as a whole picture, a lot of that will flow away. Mm. No, a it lot really, that, really does. Like, I'm trying to learn that as well, to just look and be like, because I know I'm, f I know I'm fucking gorgeous. Okay? You are. I'm going to, I'm going to take a page from your book as I'm fucking <laughs> gorgeous. And you know, like I have, I also have, well, I don't really have anymore, but I had a lot of dysphoria or dysmorphia over my ass, right? Because okay. everyone in the family, especially those who've had estrogen, have a big ass in my family. Like... Like a two-person couch, you can maybe fit like two and a half person generally, right? Yeah. yeah, not for us. It's two people, max. 
Like, <laughs> there is no but, more room. You see, you say that. Like, my my oldest friend, like the the guy I've known since I was four years old, is like the the pinnacle of masculinity. When you look at him, bald head, big beard. Like, like a bit of a dad bod, but used to be quite muscular and what have you. But the ghetto booty on that boy, my <laughs> lord, I have never seen anything like it. He could, <laughs> he could well and truly twerk his way into the championships. Like it's, it's something else, you know? Yeah, like big asses. Mm. Yeah. But um, so I, I had dysmorphia with that, yeah. Until I realized that every person I've been with sexually, fucking loves my ass. They adore it. And like, it's pretty, pretty usual. Like, cause I'm, I'm flirting with my friends, right? Because I love consensual flirting yeah. and just, and it's just like platonic flirting, you know? And the most common thing I get is, damn, your ass. Oh my God. Or, oh my God, your ass in those pants. Mm. Like it's such a common what is, thing. I what hear. is platonic flirting? I don't know how to flirt. Can you, uh... <laughs> like, I mean, neither do I, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's, so it's, it's, I really, I really started to love my ass, right? But it's taken so long, so, mm. so, so long. But now I really like it. So when I look and I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking gorgeous. And then I go, oh, look at that ass. And also I'm blessed not only with a big ass, but a bubble butt. Oh. And I, I have like, you know, like a, a proper bubble butt. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And, and also for those people that are listening, you missed the cheeky look that BG had on his face <laughs> right then. The absolute, yeah, well, just love my ass. I was like, wow, <laughs> wow, BG, that's amazing. I hope I look like that when I'm talking about my ass, Jesus. That is fantastic. Okay, okay, right. Yes. Question. Okay, this is this is where it gets in because this is something that I think a lot of people want to know, but is not something that a lot of people are, are brave enough to question. I feel comfortable enough with you, and I want to mm. be very clear for those people that are watching and listening, that this is only because I, I've known Babbling Goat for a couple of years now. We're very good friends, and I'm very close with him that I feel confident enough to ask this openly with you, is the fact that, like, in regards to, like, sex, good old mm -hmm. sex education and what have you, that's the whole point of this podcast, you know? So, now I, I don't know in regards to, like, when you started getting, like, top surgery, when you came out and what have you, and, and I, I, that's not any of our, our business. As far as we're concerned, you're an amazing human being. You always have been. But have you, like, is there, has there been any difference between you sexually in your dead self versus your true self? And I hope that those are the right terms. Those are terms people use. I don't use them. Those what would you are prefer? very new terms for me. I just say before in your life. Okay, yeah. It, I mean, this is the thing for for something for somebody like myself who I, I'm a cis man. For those people who will talk about cis in a minute, because I'd made a fuck up on TikTok <laughs> and I really want to approach that properly. <laughs> um, but I, I like in regards to. Like, as a, as a cis man, it's not something that I've really needed to approach before because every trans person that I've met has always been their their current selves, the, the selves that I love and know and love completely mm. and utterly. And when people talk about dead names and stuff, it's always just made sense in my brain for the, oh, you're, you're dead self. So the, the, mm. the pre-official transition but you were always trans because that's just you as a human being. Terminology is difficult, and I want to make sure yeah. I get it right. <laughs> Terminology is super difficult, and it's not like words. Words are generally guidelines more than actual rules mm -hmm. because there is, a, there is a common consensus of what they mean, but of course it's going to be different depending on the context. Yeah. Um, and it is very difficult, especially this, because LGBTQI plus language changes daily like there is new terms i don't know and um, before i didn't know the terms and now i know them like it's a it's a I'm it's a journey learning and i'm, I'm just constantly learning i'm just very happy that you want to learn them so thank you oh, for asking yeah. 
Oh, uh, do you know that's... what? It's 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 really strange. And, and the eye opener for me was um, I used to have a real issue with the term cis. Mm. So people would describe me as a cis man, which is the Latin for on the same side of. Is that right? Yes, cis is a Latin prefix for the same side of. And trans is the other side of. That's yes. Right. Okay. Exactly. Great. So We're that's learning. why we have that's why we have terms such as transportation, transmutation, transfiguration, transplantation, because trans means from one side of. Uh, so from so on, the, on the same side of, on the other side of. Mm -hmm. So you take something to another, or that it's a it's a state of movement, kind of. Love this. This this is brilliant because I am. Um confirming my knowledge and i'm sure other people are learning at the same time you know um okay so yeah so i so when i first came across like cis and as a as a cis man it was in a very negative very slurring fashion i was out in a gay bar having a good time with some friends and a uh trans woman said to me oh you're such a cis man and I, but in such a, the context was very derogatory. Yeah. And that happened two or three times. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I, I, I didn't look into it. I was just like, okay, this is a slur for mm. me, whoever, like, whatever that happens to be. And then having been on Twitch, I've obviously we've got a very big trans community, which I fucking love dearly. And they educated me because when they were like, you're a cis man. And I was like, I'm not a fucking cis man. What are you talking about? Don't you be calling me a cis man. How dare you, man, 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 man. Um, and they were very patient and took the time to educate me in the fact that it's not a slur. It's just a descriptor. It's, it's literally <clears> just saying you were, you are the same gender that you were assigned at birth, which is the correct term, as I understand it. Mm, it's it's generally how you explain it at that cis it is when someone identifies with the gender identity they were given upon birth okay and this is important yeah. to for for this next bit we'll we'll return to what we were talking about because i made a tiktok recently mm. um and i was trying to very simply explain to people what cis meant and i fucked it up but We'll go into that. So basically, I turned around and was like, hey, I'm a cis guy. And just to very quickly explain it to people that might know what not know what that means. Cis means, I, like, as a cis man, I was born with a penis. And as a cis woman, they were born with a vulva. That doesn't stop the fact that trans men, trans women, and, and non-binary individuals are still all very, very much men, women, and non-binary individuals. And evidently, that isn't the case. Because a few mm. people were like, well, a few people were like, you have just explained it very quickly and I understand this. And then a few people were like, actually, this is a, the, the, you, you, we appreciate your effort, but this is slightly wrong. And I want to make sure that I get this right. So I reached out to you and you very kindly took the patience to explain to me that, like, I have based my understanding of male, female, and non-binary therein, um, upon the idea of genitalia. And if we take away the genderization of genitalia, what are we left with? Exactly. Because then we're left with the gender identity. And that's the thing. So genitalia is just a sexual organ. And anyone can have any type of combination. You can have a dick, you can have a pussy, you can have none. It is so different and everyone is different and it works different for every single person. Um, and so basically when you're born, and we were talking about this, when you're born, you, you have one of them or you have none or you have multiple, it all depends. Uh, but generally they take a look at, oh, okay, this thing here, is assigned to this on this shot. And therefore we give, we call them an X, we call them X. Okay. Oh, they have Y and on this shot, Y means this. So we give them Y, for example. So and that's just a shorthand yeah, kind to, of. To break it down for 
for people like myself, that would be like turning around and going, oh, this child was born with blonde hair, so they have to be called Derek. And this exactly. child was born with brown hair, and therefore they have to be called Chanel or something like that. Exactly. Like, it's just, it's, it's a prefix of understanding in the regards that it's like, oh, this person was born with a penis, therefore they must be male. This person was mm. born with a vulva, therefore they must be female. And as our understanding of gender has progressed, we've realized that that is absolute tosh. Yeah, exactly. It's absolute <sighs> tosh because anyone can have any combination. Like I have a vagina, for example, and I feel no body dysmorphia over it and no gender dysphoria. I actually kind of like it because I usually write on like dating profiles. Yes, I have a vagina. You won't find a penis here, but two holes usually means more fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh it's true, isn't it? It's true. <laughs> so I always write that, just like right out of the gate. Here oh, you go. Wow. And then some people are like, oh, I don't want to be cheeky, but I think you mean free holes. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking nice. I love it. I'm like, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> so like i have no dysphoria dysmorphia over that right love it um so just because i have a vagina doesn't make me less of a man no and just because i was born of it doesn't make me less of a man because if if we look at it like that when it comes to people who are adults why is there any different when you're a child because if we're going to put that then that, oh, but it is different when you're a child. Okay. But then if you're born with blonde hair and your hair changes because generally it changes throughout your life, just genetically, and you're a brunette now. No, but you'll always be blonde because you have blonde hair when you were born or you were born without hair, then you will always have no hair, no matter if you have hair on your head right now because you were born without it, you know? So, or the more extreme, okay, you, you were born as a baby. That means you will be a baby for your entire life. I mean, like, my mother always calls me her baby. So I, I don't know whether we can argue with that one, but. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> but like, so we all, we all change like, so yes. if, if we're going to have a difference, when you're an adult there has to be a difference when you're born as well so like there are because there are born there, there are people who are born with none of them or have to have it surgically removed when they're children for example um but then would also be like okay but what if we're really going to break it down what does a penis look like okay a penis when you're born has foreskin but if you remove that do you have a really have a penis then because it's not the same like if you're really going to break it down like that well this is this is the really interesting thing because i mean i've been reading this book as i anybody who follows my social media is very aware uh, come as you are by emily nagoski and there mm. is an entire section in that book where it shows the development of genitalia and like mm. the crease down the center of the scrotum is actually where the two labia meet and yes. fuse together and the testicles yeah. become the ovaries and the clitoris mm. is basically the same structure as a penis but in a different it's it's all and yeah. the fact that realistically speaking when you actually break down that a little bit further like I have a penis, but my penis isn't the same as other people's penises. Mm. No vulva yeah. is the same. We exactly. are all thingies. And, and every single one of us have nipples, despite the fact that yeah. people who are, no, exactly. who are cis men have no need for them. They're literally yeah. pointless. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Unless you're like me and get little door knockers of love pierced through them. Like, <laughs> But yeah, like it's exactly the same. And also the fact you just like you're talking about that when you're in the stomach, everyone has a vagina and then that develops and just as you said like so for example when you start testosterone um basically what happens is that the signs labias they become less full kind of mm -hmm. more loose ish and the clitoris 
grows out, like it grows outward. Because if, if, if you have a clitoris, if you've been with someone acid, you can feel that it kind of goes up a little bit. Yes. And when you get horny, you get, it becomes erect. And so when you're on testosterone, that grows out of the body. So, and here's very graphic as well. I think mine has grown like that much out of my body. For those like people that are listening, about... we're talking like an inch, an inch and a bit, like a good, maybe two. Maybe... About, I would say maybe like five centimeters. The two inches, two inches. Yeah. Like it's grown out, you know, and it's, it's becomes bigger in size. It gets its own foreskin, you know, like the whole, the whole shebang. Well, the clitoral hood is the equivalent of a foreskin. Yeah. 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 So like I needed to learn when I was 20, how the fuck do I clean that? I did, did, did not fucking manage to Google that. Let me tell you, <laughs> that was difficult. I had to legit ask a friend and be like, hi, how do I, how do I do this in a safe manner? <laughs> I have never even considered that. You know, when you learn things when you're so young and you don't even think about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, I had to learn that. It was like, what, what is this? Um, but so like that happens and it's also important to know once again, that your body reacts differently to hormones. It necessarily doesn't have to be the same for you. Yeah. Some have a lot of growth, some have no growth pretty much. But so that it happens generally that it grows out and that it changes. So if people are going to say, okay, well, you have, a, you have a dick, so you're a man. Okay, where are you drawing the line? Okay, but what about people who are eunuchs? Are they not men anymore? Like, wh where do you, where do you draw the line? You know, what, and then also going back to that, okay, but everyone had a vagina when you were in the stomach, so then everyone is female, right? Yeah. Like, it's just a shorthand for people to gender someone, which is some people say, as you said before, like assigned at birth. Yeah. Some people say that, but I don't. I say, because either you say assigned at birth or you say gender identity given upon birth. Mm -hmm. Because I was given a gender identity. They was like, oh yeah, here's a gender identity. They didn't, because assigning sounds so confining for me okay. it sounds like putting me in a box kind god of. i hate boxes so yeah let's yeah with <laughs> yes, <this. laughs> but it's like here you are assigned this and it's mm -hmm. like no it's just saying that I, that you're saying that i am but by saying assigning it means that you're placing me in that i have no autonomy over it whether I agree or disagree, you know, like, it's like one thing that gets assigned is your age, right? Yeah. I am 25. No matter how much I deny that I am 25. Yeah. That is something that's been assigned. I cannot change it. So when someone says assigned, when it comes to gender, I'm like, no, it was a gender identity society gave me, but it's not my gender identity. They didn't you see, assign this is, it to me. This is where it gets really interesting. Because the, when you were talking about, like, the age side of things, like, you are 25 years of age, and there mm. are 12 months in the year, but there used to be 10. Yeah. If you go back exactly. in history, there used to be 10, and then two very yeah. arrogant Roman leaders went, well, I want a month named after me, and, <laughs> and shoehorned their own month in there. And it's just like, mm. when you think about it, like, it is just what we designate as human yeah. beings in order to understand it and what it comes down to and this is this is something that i am constantly learning is the fact that we human beings assign things so that they understand things mm. and then the more that we progress as a culture and as science the more that we understand the more that our views change at one point we believed that the sun provided the sun was a god and it provided all things at one point mm. we believed that mushrooms were good um oh, <laughs> that's a personal wow, hatred against mushrooms slander. <laughs> i hate mushrooms all right i hate them um but the, the point is that at one point we we believed that like you, you there, there were mycidinal properties in 
shark fins or do you know what i mean they're, like there's so many things out oh, that there quick silver was good for you yeah yeah i mean you, uh, smoking for centuries mm. they believed that if you had a bit of a cough the best thing to do was have a cigarette mm. because it would clear out your lungs because you like and now we literally look at it and we're like actually no that that shit is what fucks you up like that is yeah that is what fucks you up you know yeah and and it's mad to think that as we under start to understand ourselves and progress as a like as as a civilization and as a people and as a species that people can get so hung up on things that are mm. beyond old yeah like, so irrelevant now and yeah. and it's just like yeah take take a moment i me as well me included like i here's me going well as a cis man i was born with a penis well <laughs> if i take away like you're right if i take away the gender away from penis and vulva what am i left with well mm. i'm left with people mm. and what dictates what a gender a person is no exactly exactly and it's the same with like the reason what you're talking about the world view like yes purely psychological here comes my psychology degree that i'm Ooh, almost done with uh, oh, like it like purely psychological how it works in your brain is that you have a i you have a set view right and that view it changes as can adds it upon as you grow as yeah. you become older you learn certain things so for example you can be you can be very, very scared of something, right? Let's say you're very, very scared of water and you avoid water because in your worldview, water is dangerous. But then you get into water once and realize, hey, it's not dangerous. Then that changes your worldview, right? But a world, the worldview you have as a person is like, it's, it's like a building made out of blocks. Like it's like a, a Jenga block, mm -hmm. like to change something at the top it is going to affect something at the bottom so every single time you change something you have to rebuild every single thing that is related to and some things are going to be easy to just like put in right but other things are going to connect it to so many other things that you become completely oh i don't know what to do with this oh this is too much oh and then you just you just don't know what to do because it, it changes so much in your brain and suddenly there's so many things you have to question so so many things you have to change which is what the brain does then is that it takes the quickest route out so it you hear a you a has to change your worldview so then you grab the thing that makes you have to do the least amount of change in your brain because that is an easier task than rebuilding everything so then you grab that and you're like, oh, it's like this. So we try to connect it together to understand it. Mm. And then if it's not, then well, you have to rebuild deeper and deeper and deeper. So when you talk about complex things such as these, it is a lot of things you have to relearn. A lot of parts of your life you have to challenge. And the bigger the thing, the big, more difficult it's going to be to challenge it. So that is why people like can easily get like hung up because they try and they try and grab this thing to put it because the brain your brain is continuously desperate of trying to make sense of trying to create a whole picture that's why for example if you look on like a white sheet of paper and you just look at it in a certain angle you are going to see lines but the lines don't exist um, or that it's lines on one page and you're uh, you're going to apply it to another part and you think there's lines on both sides, but there is not. There's it's just your brain. Those, yeah, like optical yeah. illusions where it's like, here's exactly. a load of stripes of colors. And if you put different colors next to them, they change. And it's just like, no, it's yeah, the same exactly. color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's just your brain desperately trying to make sense of things and to connect things with as little work as possible. And it does the same when it comes to these type of things as well that is just desperately tries to see okay how little can i change for this to make change and then so when people say oh it's like my entire worldview has changed yeah that's because they had to they had to rework so many things because this tiny little thing that challenged them connected to so many things and people they had to are like people are afraid of change Oh yeah, 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 and Regardless that's and that is because are. it's heavy. 
it's yeah. a lot of work that you have to do. And so we apply our knowledge we have on other things as well to understand around it, because once again, the brain wants to understand. So I'm not going to go on a huge rant at this because I have mentioned it in the stream before and I'm yeah. very dedicated regarding the subject. And that is the fact that animals do not have genders. Animals are not male or female. It is because we have taken the, how we, how we categorize humans, we have applied it on animals to try and understand it. And if you want to blame someone, blame Carl von Linnea, absolute fucking dickbag. <laughs> Swedish, okay. old Swedish scientist, one of right. the pioneers within this field. Um, because it was during his time, which um, how science was, is that science was all categorizing. So why we have a lot of categories because of things is, or in things, is because the science then was to categorize things. To understand something, we put it in a category. That is how we understand things. That is how we put out the world, right? And so we put humans in a gender-specific category. And we're like, okay, mm. here we understand this. Now we're applying that on animals as well, so we can wrap our heads around it and understand it. So we can say, oh, it's a male moose and a female moose. Uh, generally not. It's just that we've taken our process and how we think of it and then apply it to be like, oh, that thing bears eggs. Therefore, it's a female, you know, um, even though that is not the case because there are male fishes who bear eggs and then suddenly the whole thing crumbles. Yeah. Um, okay. So that is how things are applied and why we have such rigid boxes, because the entirety of science around the 17th, 18th and 19th century was just categorization. I was about to say, and that so is definitely something that I love doing is when someone turns around and mm -hmm. like, like I'm like, what's your issue with like gay people, for example? And they're mm -hmm. like, it's unnatural. And I'm like, well, I have an entire study on gay <laughs> animals. Like, here are some stags that had a threesome. Look at the gay penguins and how they look after their chick. Like, you're just like, what are your preconceptions and what yeah. haven't you read in order to, <laughs> to make those preconceptions? But yeah, it, it's it's with that. Right, yeah. I'm going to have to push us on because, again, yes, I, yes. Like, the, I've got so many things. Um, So in regards to, like, I mean, you've briefly basically said that you personally don't have any, like, gender dysphoria in regards to like sex and mm. stuff like that and i suppose mm. when you actually break it down to what you were just talking about in regards to like genitalia doesn't have a gender that makes sense mm. that makes so much sense like why would you have dysphoria around that when genitalia doesn't have a gender yeah oh, and my like, mind has been melted and i love and it a lot of people have dysphoria and dysmorphia because of society uh -huh. because of what society says and how society says that it works and all all of that just like just as a doc a doc maker is saying a chat talking about animals and animals having gender but it doesn't differentiate which is a hundred percent correct and true uh, but there is no categorization of the social construct that we have in the world so we don't like animals not work under that even though we applied it and mm -hmm. we have applied that to humans as well which is what would generally create dysphoria and dysmorphia because we have the societal construct of how it is supposed to be and how it's supposed to work um but it was also important to know that just because you want to conform to the societal norms for example um that's 100 percent okay and like, as long as you're happy with your expression, that's the only thing that matters, yeah. And so yeah. if you have dysmorphia because you're like, oh, I feel that a vagina is connected to too much societal femininity and it gives me dysmorphia, I want to have that surgically changed. 100%. That's 100% valid. Yeah. Because even though, like, sexual organs and gender are different things. Yeah. But the societal things is still on the sex itself. Yeah, this is this is so something that I'm really... has a lot of a lot of impact on people. This is something I'm really learning from uh, the more and more gender non-binary people that I meet. Uh, in the regards that I have met so many people that are uh, gender non-binary, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm 
gender non-binary, but they're super mask or they're super femme. Mm. And it's like, okay. And initially, because of my preconceptions, because of what society has taught me, and so I'm like, how are you gender non-binary when you are super mask? And at the end mm. of the day, like that's because of my preconceptions, mm. not not anything to do with them or their gender or anything there. That's my preconceptions and my issue to work out those preconceptions. Yeah. To work yeah, that exactly. out. Oh God, I love this stuff. I love this stuff. <laughs> okay, right. I've got a whole load of questions that I have to ask you, but before I do that, um, have you got any advice for people that are realizing that they might be trans themselves? Reach out to people. Try to find people to talk to, but like talk to someone you trust and try to get like a recommendation because it can be, it can be dangerous to just go out online and try to find groups of trans people because there is surprisingly extreme transphobia within the trans community, like extreme amounts of it. So you want to find someone that's safe. So reach out to people, try to find someone to listen to, you know, and know that you are loved and that you are valid and legit. The only thing that matters is that you're happy. That's it. Like that. it, it doesn't matter how you express yourself and it doesn't matter how you identify. It doesn't matter. Who knows? It doesn't matter what terminology you use for yourself. As long as you're happy, you're doing it right. I love that. I love that. Um, have you got any advice for people coming out potentially for the first time, either as trans or potentially mm. um, regarding their sexuality? Mm -hmm. Know that no one has the right to know. You give the privilege of them knowing. But they have absolutely no right to know. If you don't want to tell them, they don't, they don't need to know. And if they get mad, that sounds like a fucking them problem Love because that. that's them getting mad over like, because they, they don't have the right. They have the privilege if you decide to give it to them, you know, um, but also if you come out, make sure that you're somewhere that's safe and make sure that you are, feel safe with the person and to to maybe like, if you want to come out to your parents, for example, and you're worried how they're going to react and, but you're out to a friend or a sibling, try to have them with you when you come out and um, come out to someone on, in a public space, for example, because that can limit how they can react like, and it will put you in a safer spot. So maybe do it at a cafe, for example. Um, or have people with you that you trust. And once again, if you don't want to tell them, they don't have to know. It's Love completely that. up to you, but make sure that you're safe. Safety first. Because mm, that, that's, always. yeah, that's another thing that I've learned from the community is I'm like, always be yourself. And then I'm like, actually, <laughs> there might be some connotations there that we should mm. really analyze. Um, cool, mm. right? I've got a whole load of questions here from the community. For those of people that are listening to the podcast, at the beginning of um, our recorded live streams, uh, I asked people whether they want to ask any questions, and a whole load of you have. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to whip through these and get through as many as possible. Let's go! Um, Captain, good to see you. As a trans man, I'm currently waiting to get my initial gender clinic. What advice do you have for me and other trans people to help them fight off the dysphoria while waiting for that important first meeting? Mm -hmm. Try to find what makes you identify with your identity. So for example, a lot of trans, like, let's say, let's say like a trans man, right? And you identify with parts of the entirety of societal trans norms, for example, um, well, not norms, but never mind. They, they, they don't know how to say it in English, okay. <laughs> but, uh, masculinity, that's what I want yes. to say with masculinity as a whole. Um, what type of smells makes you think of masculinity or makes you feel masculine? Okay. Buy a shampoo that smells like that. 
buy a body lotion that smells like that? Is there a specific brand of deodorant that you connect with masculinity? So for example, my dad always showered with head and shoulders, right? Always, every single day. So I bought head and shoulders because that was masculinity for me, right? Mm -hmm. um, so try and find things that in your everyday life makes you feel masculine or reminds you of the gender identity you want to have, right? Or gender identity that you have, the gender identity you want to be perceived as by the world as well. So find everything, find deodorant, find hairstyling products, maybe different types of, um, like how you style your hair, different types of clothes, um, um, maybe if there's some specific way to sit that makes you feel more masculine, then do that, your body language. Look at all these types of things that you can change here and now. Um, so for me, as I said, like the, uh, the shampoo helped, um, deodorant helped, perfume helped, all of that just really, really helped me. So try and find that in your everyday life and it will, I, I promise it will help. It will help. Amazing. Thank you. Um, next one. Can you recommend any dating apps or advice for trans people on dating? No dating apps, sadly. <laughs> there are issues no matter where. Um, and there is no specific trans dating apps, what I know of. Um, but otherwise, it's just... That's more open-minded. I wouldn't say specifically for trans people, but is the the one that I've found that's more open-minded is Field, which is F-E-E-L-D, as in mm -hmm. playing the field. Um, mm -hmm. But that seems to have, from my experience, that seems to have a hell of a lot more uh, open-minded. There's a lot of non-binary people. There's a lot of um, people on there that are between the genders in, in like the gender spectrum so mm. um, mask femme either cis or trans non-binary a lot of different presenting people a lot of couples that are looking for a, a third or to experiment mm. it seems to be a lot more open-minded mm. that i've that's good I've, I've discovered anyway so field something to try people mm. <laughs> but i i just it was grinder and tinder that's... grinder and tinder that's what I use. I've had nothing um, but problems with Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's what I use, but I write that I am trans, but also, once again, you don't have to tell anyone that you're trans. Um, it's completely up to you if you want to provide that info. You want to give them the privilege to know, but make sure that if you meet someone to be safe. Yeah. Um, but the first tip I would have is be wary of chasers. Because and a chaser is someone that will want to be with you because of the fact that you are trans. And that can be incredibly fucking dangerous. One of the things so, I did want to speak to you, but we definitely don't have time for, so I'm going to have to pull you on again at some stage, is yeah, the, the fact that there is a genuine issue with the fetishiz fetishization oh, yeah. of trans people. It is ex it's so rampant. It is so extreme so if you find someone that says that oh i've always wanted us to try it with a trans man mm, red flag yeah uh, it's a red flag you know yeah, yeah. and if you're okay with that 100 percent, go ahead uh, i am absolutely not um i am i am not someone to experiment with i would caution anybody that if you are a gimmick or a tick box you should move away from that situation whether that be because of your gender your transgender your gender non-binary mm. etc like that or whether that be because of your race i know it happens a lot with um especially in the uk with um uh, black people is there's a oh i've never been with a black girl before mm. and that just if, if you are a tick box you deserve more than that you you mm. should in my personal opinion i'm like Give, give yourself the, the respect that you deserve more than to be a tick yeah. box on somebody's bedpost. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and see like, okay, am I okay with that? Yay or nay? Pretty much. Yeah. But be wary of chases. First big thing. Um, and secondly, stay safe. You don't have to tell them if you don't want to, um, but stay safe. 
Um, if you're going to meet them, meet them in a public space, meet them in a public space the first few times, because you never know. And don't back down if you say something that they're like, oh, I'm like they react to something when you talk about trans, like be open, be honest if you want. If if you want to be open, do it um, and call them out on the bullshit. And also, and this is a part of the trans community, actually a bit of a controversial opinion, um, but I think it's very important to educate within, is that it is 100% okay to have a genital preference. It is okay to have a genital preference, right? Because once again, genitalia is not gender. So if you are attracted and or if you only want to have sex with someone who has a penis that's okay because you're attracted to penis that's okay but so how, how it works is that if someone says oh i don't want to be with a trans woman okay don't want to be with a trans woman why oh i i i don't want dick okay not all trans women have dicks. So your thing here is that you are not attracted to dick. That is your thing. So it wouldn't matter who it's on. You're just not attracted to that genitalia. Oh, I want to be with someone who can carry children. Okay. Well, not all cis women can carry children. So then that is the thing. But if you say, I don't want to be with someone uh, that's trans because of the fact that they are trans, then that's the reason, and then that's transphobic. It's the same when it comes with race, for example. So then that is the issue. So it is okay to have a genital preference, and it's okay for other people to have a genital preference as well. But once again, your genitalia does not make you less of your gender identity, but it is okay to have a genital preference. And if it's not okay, then we're gonna go back to the whole thing in like that still happens, but also like in the eighties, like, oh, how can you know you're not X when you've never tried X or when yeah. you never tried Y? Yeah. Then we go back to that whole thing. Like I'm gonna have to get you, you back on because this is this is like yeah. that that is a big kind of <laughs> like worms that I would love to dig oh, yeah. into. Like the fetishization, the 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 transphobia that people are like, mm. oh, I've got no issue with with trans people, but and that is that but that that is the problem. But we could go on mm. for hours about that and I would genuinely yeah. love to. But let me <laughs> let me whip in. Um Yeah. But I just uh, wanted to finish say on that that yeah. it's okay. Yes. It's okay for you to have a general preference it's okay for others to have a general preference and it doesn't make you less you because you need to remember that it wouldn't matter who that genitalia was on it wouldn't matter in the slightest so it's okay and it doesn't make you less valid I think I will get potentially another two of these but thank you very much Val validity is a big <laughs> thing that we have definitely like I think it's very important in the regards that a lot of people question their validity because mm -hmm. of, well, what we were talking about before, like societal preconceptions. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. How to deal with the nosy people that you haven't talked to in ages that suddenly are checking in, with inverted commas, after you're coming out? We, there's a thing in Swedish um, that is... Du behöver aldrig ge svar på tal. You never have to give a reply when someone speaks. Ever. So if you don't want to answer them, don't answer. If they ask a question you don't want to answer, don't answer. You never have, if you say, I do not want to talk about this. And like, oh, why? You never have to explain if you don't want to. You can just say, I don't want to talk about this. I did a TikTok about this recently where I was just like, people, you don't, you don't owe anybody an explanation. Mm. And I had one, one woman, which was, for all irony's sake, called Karen. Um, <laughs> they like, was genuine, just like, actually, you owe your family an explanation. I was like, no, they don't. No, they fucking <laughs> yeah. don't. 
you want to answer, you want to ask questions, that's fine. You can ask questions, but they don't owe you jack shit. Google exists. Just fucking, exactly. you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's it's mad. Um, yeah. Ba, 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 ba. I've got one right down here. The question for you both. My son came out as gay one year ago. He's ten now. He has been searching for naked men online, etc. He, um, uh, we embraced and supported him, but now he says he never said that or that he doesn't remember feeling that way. I just don't know how to support him or if I should just wait for him to come to me. Why do you think this happened? Thanks in advance. This is, this is an um, interesting one. Um, <clears throat> and I'm going to take the lead with, with this one, if that's all right with you, B. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I think that, that growing up, um, regardless of gender, we all experiment with a whole lot of things. We hold a whole lot of things. For a long period of time, I thought I wanted to be a woman. For a very, very long period of time, I, I thought I wanted to be a woman. And especially when you're hitting those teenage years mm -hmm. and there is a lot of societal pressure from your social groups and what have you, um, there is a feeling, there, there is a pressure there that you don't want to admit to something. It's better to turn around and say, for, for you and your adolescent brain or pre-adolescent brain it's easier for you to turn around and go no i didn't say that no i didn't say that you're lying no i didn't say that than than ever admit to anything and i don't know like i don't know whether you could offer anything differently but i would say just wait and see just be there to support him be there to listen to make sure that he knows that whatever is on his mind he's more than welcome to come and talk to you and that you'll be there to support him and and like metaphorically hold his hand through it but don't put on any pressure because the more that you pressure, especially at that age, the more he will try and pull away. Mm. No, I completely 100% agree. Just be like, okay. And continue supporting, continue loving. And I, what I would add is keep an eye out if it develops to extreme homophobia because it can be that maybe... Um, they identify the that and they're like, oh, no, I'm not, because maybe they read something online. Maybe they heard someone talk about it, and that can develop a self-hate that develops into homophobia, for example. So I just keep an eye out for that to see if it becomes something bad. And also, yes, just as Doc says, high, uh, school bullying, just keep, keep an eye out and see if there's if something is going to happen or if something has happened um to help with that amazing um okay i'll grab another couple of these because we are definitely mm -hmm. running out of time um <laughs> uh, i got my binder in the last week tried it on for the first time but there was no euphoria there was also no dysphoria. It just felt neutral and natural. Is it weird to feel no definitive answer? It is not weird at all. It is not weird. Like the societal portrayal when it comes within the trans community is often that you should feel such extreme joy over, for example, of um, of having top surgery. Like you see pictures of people crying after top surgery. And after my top surgery, I didn't cry. I didn't feel anything. Really. I didn't cry until my second one, right? Um, but no, it's not weird at all to not feel the extreme joy or the extreme happiness or even just a tad of it. It's not weird at all. It's completely normal. We all experience things differently in our lives. And that's what makes us human and what makes it a journey. Because trans, it's not, it's not a ladder. You're not... Unless, unless you want to say it yourself, you're not finished transitioning because it's a journey. It is not you have to take X amount of steps to do this. No, it's a journey. Do you want to have hormones? Great. Do you want to stop hormones? Okay. Do you want to have surgery? Okay. Do you not? Okay. It's completely up to you. And it can maybe pause for a while and then continue later or it's completely up to you. So you feel the joy differently and that's okay. I'm going to extend that out as well in the regards that that does that isn't actually well on the on the bare bones of things any different to anybody else 
we are all on a journey. We are all on our own journeys and, and pushing in one direction or another and and constantly discovering ourselves and more about ourselves. I mean, hell, over the past month, I have literally had personal realizations that I'd never even considered. And like I said, we're, we're all on our own journeys. And and it's it's I find it doubly interesting. And we could, this is another can of worms that we could open. But in the regards that there is... There are people out there, especially TERFs, good old TERFs, who are like, a trans woman will never understand what it's like to be a real woman. Yeah, well, I, I will never understand what it's like to be another cis man because mm. two cis men are different, two cis women are different, two trans men are different, two trans women are different. We are all mm. different people on our own different journeys and to turn around and make such vast generalizations is is hugely disrespectful for the different journeys that we all go through and i think it's mm. really important to say that like yes we're talking about transgender people here at the moment um but but we all go on our own journeys and we all experience yeah. things differently and and there is nothing invalid about those things and and as you said about that like the the, the binder aspect it didn't make you feel any better it didn't make you feel any worse that's okay that's mm. all right it's okay. Yeah. hundred percent. The validity. It's amazing. I would like to thank a whole load of people. Firstly, I would like to thank Kate Sway for all of the uh, graphics that we have for the Thirsty Work stuff, the Thirsty Work podcast. I would like to thank Alexander Devonport for the background we have here on the VOD that you can uh, find on the VOD video editions of the podcast. I would like to thank Mountain Goat for the uh, theme tune because it's good name, glorious good name. and amazing. Oh, Mountain, Goat. Mountain Goat 69 as well is, is the Ooh. official name. You know, he's a, he's a fantastic individual. And of course, I would like to thank my amazing guest, Babbling Goat. Babbling Goat, please can you tell people where they can find you? If you want to see more of Babbling Goat, you can find me on twitch.tv forward slash Babbling Goat every Sunday at 3 p.m. GMT plus one and Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 7 p.m. GMT plus one and if you are an educational in educational place or maybe a company or similar or maybe someone else is interested you can always email me at uh, the goat that babbles at gmail.com so twitch.tv forward slash babbling goat and the goat that babbles as gmail.com I love it. That is the most official outro that I think I've ever heard. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you can find me on twitch.tv forward slash Valenvane. In fact, you can find me on any social media at Valenvane. Nearly. There's certain social medias that are not happy with my existence, but we, we try to ignore those ones. <laughs> we try to ignore those ones. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning into the home of hedonism. Hedonism.